Well, uh, so you went to Asbury? I did. So what do you think about what's going on? Oh, my. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm headed back there next Thursday for the 100-year anniversary wow. of the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. It's never been hosted there mm-hmm. in the 100-year anniversary. So I'm, I'm, I'm touched. You know how many tears? You know, anybody that goes to Asbury knows there's been five moves of the Holy Spirit <laughs> in a 100-year period. Beginning in 1905, E. Stanley Jones was touched by a move of God. He was a famous missionary, Methodist missionary in India, mm-hmm. and uh, God used mightily. And it seems like whenever there's an outpouring in the rest of the world, Asbury becomes like this barometer. So yeah. the Welsh Revival, Welsh Revival, Azusa Street, outpouring at Asbury. 1950s, the Healing Revivals, outpouring at Asbury. The Jesus Movement, 1970, outpouring at Asbury. It's this holiness well. You know, so when the spirit moves there, it's, um, you know, it, it's not a charismatic movement, so to speak. It's deep contrition, repentance. Oh. And yet, in this one, it's allowed the worship to lead, set the pace, which I'm so touched because, you know, the world's become a small place. Asbury was a reactionary school from Pentecostalism. You know, the holiness movement gave birth to the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street. Half of them went one way over the issue of uh, does the Holy Spirit is the primary evidence tongues or is it the apprehending of the will to live a holy life? Hmm. So they divided over that issue. And so Asbury held to what I think is the correct view, which is it is the apprehending of the will <laughs> to live a holy life. But I speak in tongues and I believe with Paul that you should, more, you know, he said he did it more than anyone else, and he wished everybody did it. So I'm not, I'm in both those camps. But um, but because of that, there's been these movements. But in the last, there's been a resistance to any charismatic influence. Mm-hmm. But it's a small place. Randy Clark went there in the mid-90s and blew it up. And wow. then, you know, I think most of the people there are, are charismatic or have been massively influenced by it. So it's a, it's a different deal. And so anyway, I I'm ecstatic. I I've, I prayed so many prayers on in Hughes auditorium for another outpouring of the Holy spirit. Um, my two mentors at Asbury both experienced the revival in 1970 as college students and they were marked. They said for seven days, the glory of God came into that room. And, and they describe it that it was as thick as like pea soup. It was tangible, was weighty, it was evident, and that for seven days, no one would leave the auditorium. Now, back then, they didn't have social media, so there wasn't anyone coming from the outside to fuel it. It was just students and uh, seminary students and college students and professors coming into that room, and they wouldn't leave for days at a time. People would be stuck just with their hands up for hours on end without having to put their hands down. And, and, and people were reconciling. Of course, it began with confession of sin by the, the least likely two guys on the campus confessed and gave testimony that they'd been born again and gave their lives to Jesus. And that broke out into confession. But at some point, everybody's confessed and it's just the glory of God in the room. And so 
From that, they canceled classes and went out in ministry teams all over the earth, you know, went to college campuses and wherever they went, the same thing would happen. It would be reproduced. Wow. It's going to be interesting what happens in this day because, you know, instead of the students going out, everyone's converging upon that little, I mean, it is a little, little town. And so um, my son just went, my two sons just graduated from Asbury Seminary, my oldest two, and one of them's still there. And he said he took his youth group and, you know, it, it's so full, the town's so full that it's overflowed from Hughes Auditorium into Estes Chapel, McKenna Chapel, another church. And then they have speakers going out to the street. So everybody's just in the street, you know, in the in the common area. And so, yeah, I, I'm, you know, anybody who's contended for revival and wants to see the church walk in what it's called to before Jesus returns has to be ecstatic for any, you know, drop. You know, I, I've heard some of my dear friends say, well, this is kind of like a good prayer meeting. And then I go, hey, but it it is a move for that meeting. God is moving there. Mm-hmm. I've been there. It's like burnt stones. They've talked about revival. They've had five and they've talked about revival forever. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it came in any way that they weren't expecting, it, it usually wow. got rebuffed. You know, Randy Clark got rebuffed. That was a powerful move of the spirit. You know, if it was courses instead of hymns, it got rebuffed. If it was laughter instead of repentance, it got rebuffed. It, it, but but God is so kind mm-hmm. that he, he's come to them. You know, it's like Jesus, right? He, he just comes right where you're at. You know, I, I like what Jesus said. They, they said, why do you eat with the unrighteous? And you might have heard Jesus say, well, if, if I only ate with the righteous, it would be a table for one. You know, you know what I'm saying? It would be a table for one. And so he comes to us and he's come to Asbury wow. in kindness. Hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm so filled with joy. Whenever there's a move of the spirit anywhere, I just want to be tender. Mm-hmm. I want to say, God, you know, if you come to Brownsville, I, I want to come to Brownsville. If you show up in KC, I want to go to KC. If you come to Toronto, I, I just, mm-hmm. I want you. I want him. Can you imagine being in the Sea of Galilee area and Jesus is in Capernaum? You would want to get there, <laughs> right? You would be like, well, I don't like Capernaum now. It doesn't matter. He's there. I just want him. I want him. So I'm done. I'm done a little bit by it. Yeah. And hoping that this simulcast that's going to go to these college campuses, it's already beginning to move on other college campuses like Lee University, but I'm praying that there will be a massive move. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I could give a long answer, but that I've shed many a tear on that altar asking for the Holy Spirit to come wow. with a visitation. And I was a college pastor there. And so, you know, at, when Randy Clark came, it blew the town wide open and a church was birthed. We birthed a church called Great Commission Fellowship. And so, you know, there were 300 college students coming to that church plant, hungry for God. Mm-hmm. And so 300 back then was like a fourth of the campus. <laughs> you know? And so it, it, we shed many a tear for the Lord to move there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm so grateful. I can't wait. Uh, I'm, 
I hope he touches me at a deep level. Wow. So do you think the Lord is saying something to the earth through this? And if so, what do you think it is? Well, you, you know, I, you, you know, when, when, um, well, that's a big question there. That's a great question. That's a great question. I, you know, the, the, um, COVID came and I think it exposed a lot of things about the state of the church. You know, if we were to get really honest and I think the voice of John the Baptist has been going out saying, Hey, you know, in the words of, of Jesus in Luke 13, it says when, when the crisis came, you know, they're talking about a crisis, Pilate spilling the blood of priests on the altar and the tower of Siloam falling. So you got a man-made crisis government oppression, and you've got a natural disaster, <laughs> the tower falling, being shaken. And, and Jesus, they're, they're talking, why did this happen? And all of them are quoting their favorite Bible verses on why their opinion is correct, you know? Yeah. And that's what happened when COVID broke out. I mean, all I don't know about you, but uh, everyone was using their favorite Bible verse to say why it happened. You know, my charismatic my prayer room, you know, my prayer people were saying, this is the time, go in stadiums and drive back the horde of hell. You know, my charismatic, I mean, my Pentecostal friends were, hey, we're going to clean out the hospitals. You know, my my Catholic charismatic friends were going, hey, this is the time to love the sick, even if you die while serving them. It, you know, the, my missional friends were like, we told y'all mega church isn't it. You could only meet in small houses. And my mega church friends, Eric said, we told you, you need to have technology while no one's going to your churches. They're watching us and tithing to us. And then I released an article and the Lord really convicted me and said, Alan, you have lots of opinions and you've not shed one tear mm. for anyone dying. Mm. And the mouth should only speak after the eyes weep and you don't, <laughs> you don't have authority. And, he pointed me to Luke 13, where everybody's justifying why it happened. And Jesus, they ask him, he won't play their game. <laughs> he won't get into the culture war. He won't get into the arguments of the day. He looks at him and goes, do you think they were more sinful than you? He turns the issue of the day into a personal confrontation of, do you love me? Wow. Are you right with me? Do you think you're better than them? Repent, lest you likewise perish. And so I think, you know, G John came calling us to repentance. Jesus came calling us to repentance. John came with the dirge, the funeral dirge. <laughs> who, who warned you, Pharisees? <laughs> you, know, you know, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Even now, the ax is laid to the root. He came with the message of God's wrath and called him to repent. Jesus came playing the wedding flute. Hmm. God loves you. The Son of Man did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So God's so kind. He comes with the allurement and with the warning. Wow. He, he does whatever it takes to get human hearts restored to him. And um, I feel like COVID came and in the midst of the craziness, he's been revealing our poverty of spirit, just how 
how fallen short the church is, but in a kind way. Mm. And now we're seeing his kindness coming to Asbury with this beautiful, it's almost like the dirge and the wedding flute. It's, It's the worship which moves our hearts, the allurement, but it's also, we need to repent. We need to turn. We're not where we should be. Mm. So there's this, I think everything's accelerating. He's coming to us. <laughs> you know, whether we deserve it or not, he's going to help us. Wow. And um, I think it's about to multiply, but it's not because we deserve it. <laughs> if there's anywhere that doesn't deserve it, it might be Asbury. <laughs> I, I don't mean that mean. All right. I mean that, you know, it's happened so many times. Typically, when there's a move of the Spirit in the land in the Old Testament, within 50 years, that place is usually a center of darkness. Uh-huh. The enemy just loves. When Finney moved in upstate New York, the Spirit moved. It it became a bastion of, you know, uh, darkness within 15, 20 years, uh-huh. you know, with, with all the, the stuff that went on there in upstate New York, burnt stones. And so, uh, but his kindness, he's coming there. There's been hungry hearts, a remnant that have been praying. And I'm just I'm touched by his kindness. Mm-hmm. But we need to get ready. It's his, he's going to help us. Judgment has begun in the house of God. He's shaken everything that can be shaken. He's exposed. I mean, leaders, I mean, it's just been a horrible time of, of scandal, you know, when the number one podcast is about scandal in the church. It's just reminding us. He's kind of shaken us. And now I think he's coming with with help from heaven to those who want to, who will embrace poverty of spirit. Like, I don't have it. I don't know how you felt. I've been just pruned for 10 years. You know, I just felt like I'm on, been in this constant state of, (laughs) will you die to everything else and let me reveal your weakness and at the same time reveal how much I love you even in it. And will you trust me and, and uh, cling to our neediness? So I, you know, I, I'm, I've said too much, but it's just, I, I think he's helping us, Eric. I, I think he is. Well, so you do believe he's saying something and that is an expression of his kindness. He's expressing his kindness. His That's- utter kindness after a season of great shaking That's to those who are hungry, to those who want him. And terrific. And I think it's, I don't think it's for Asbury only. Yeah, sure. I think he came in a historic place to give us all hope Mm -hmm. because it's happened there so many times. And it means so much to the American experience. I mean, the American Methodist, Francis Asbury, they planted two churches a day. There's more American, there's more Methodist churches in America than post offices. I mean, that that movement that burst on America uh, has been nothing like it. In, wow. in the history of revival, and they've held on to that trust that God can change the human heart. So, and, you know, he came there, and I think everybody's going, if it's happening there, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. So this is this is real. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I think if, I, if it was me, and I know us here in our little community, we're going, okay, Lord, increase your presence. Yeah. Come to us. Mm-hmm. This is the time to behold him, to fall in love with him, yes. to give him the affection, to confess our utter need that 
We don't know how to do church and family. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to disciple. We don't know how to do so many things. You've got to help us yes. because you said that we would grow up into the head, mm-hmm. that we would, that we literally would be, we would have the unity of the spirit and the body yes. of peace, that we would grow up into the knowledge of the son of God, perfect man. And we, I know the father wants to give Jesus what he wants, that at the return of the Lord, his bride would be equally yoked to him in light and love and kindness and graciousness and, yes. and boldness. So I think he's going to help us. I think the return of the Lord is near. Yes. And, I, you know, I can't wait for the day. I'm hoping this isn't just an Asbury revival because... He promised he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. What will it look like on the day when every tribe and tongue receives the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the same time before the coming of the Lord? Somebody sent me a uh, text and was asking me what I thought about Asbury. And my initial response was, my stomach is turning with anxious anticipation for the return of the Lord just by seeing what he's doing in Asbury moves me. Do you think that in Matthew, the parable of the 10 virgins, I I know you've studied it many times. Something stuck out to me recently. I want to throw it at you and see, I'm going to grab a hold of it. Obviously the point of the parable is set at the end. Therefore be on the alert. Yes. If the point of the parable is beyond the alert, then it has to connect with having oil or not having oil. That's right. So if a person is not on the alert, that is not having oil. And if a person lives on the alert, that is having oil, obviously with respect to the bridegroom king and our entrance in with him. So let me just ask you, what do you, what do you think that oil is? Have you seen that connection before? Do you feel like it's, uh, what do you think that oil is? Yeah, that those parables are powerful. Like he, he literally ends the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 with the, the watch, therefore. You know, watch, therefore. And he says, as in the days of Noah, and you need to take the information serious because even as the fig tree buds mm-hmm. and you know the harvest is coming, he goes, even so, when these things happen, that generation will experience the coming of the Lord. So the next whole part is, No one knows the time or the hour, so therefore, watch. You know, it's been taught a lot that no one knows the time or the hour, so there's no need to watch. You know, no one knows. But that's not what he said. He said, no one knows, so watch, therefore. Take the information seriously. And then goes the next parable. The information is not enough. You've got to have that oil of intimacy Mm -hmm. on the human heart. Yeah. And alertness is one of the evidences that you're walking in intimacy with him. Oh, alertness people, is one of the evidences. People, people who know him want him to come. Yeah. Oh, you know, G- literally Peter in Acts chapter 3 said, and, and this goes back to discipleship because in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, he, they ask him, why don't you teach your disciples to fast? He goes, I'm not teaching them to fast before I absolutely blow their mind and they mourned for me. Wow. I'm going to encounter them for three and a half years 
And then when I'm gone, they'll so miss me. Yes. <laughs> they'll fast for my presence. Oh my they'll God. long for my presence. They'll have my spirit in them, but they'll long for me. And so he, he literally, this fascination for his return, Peter literally calls Jerusalem to repent because if they do, the Father will send Jesus. Can you imagine Peter missing his God, his king, his brother, his friend? I, I, I don't, he literally says, guys, would you guys get it together because he's not coming <laughs> until you do. I mean, that, that was the apostolic burden. Ugh. Repent so he'll come. And then Paul goes, you know what? I saw him. He goes, the love of Christ compels me to preach the gospel. He's not coming back until there's a remnant from every nation. So I'm going to preach the gospel to, the, to Asia Minor. I'm going to preach it to Rome. If they don't kill me in Rome, I'm going to Spain. If they don't kill me in Spain, I'll discover the new world. I just want him back. Five minutes on the road to Damascus ruined me. And that's, to me, the apostolic longing is you've been touched with the all of intimacy. Hmm. Why wouldn't you want him back? Yeah. Yes. There'd be 40,000 people in human trafficking today. Oh, my God. That would be better off if Jesus came back. <laughs> the poor of the earth, it says when he returns, they will say, they will say, Bless, blessed be him forever. May he be blessed forever. Can you imagine the nations of the earth saying, thank you. Oh. When he restores the nations to right governance, says the poor of the earth will laud him. They will love him. And so I, I just, I think you're hitting it like you're hitting it, like alertness, the, the wounding of the heart. Yeah, wounding. Where he wants, where we want him to come. Is, is true evidence of our oil. Wow. Wow. So, so let me just ask you this. Uh, we'll do, maybe you can take five minutes on this next one and then we'll, we'll have you pray and we'll be done. But what are some practical tips you can give to the people watching yeah. that will help them store oil? Right. I, I would, wow, that's, I would say it this way. I would usually start with, when we talk about intimacy, and we usually equate oil with intimacy, the oil of intimacy. Perfect. You, you know, that production of affection and love on the human heart. Mm -hmm. Production, Jesus. yeah. It, it's that. So, but I, I usually start with, you know, intimacy doesn't begin with us. <laughs> it begins with God because it existed long before we existed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and eternal romance and eternal love. And that's a big deal. Yes. Because, because the rest of the, the nations worship a God, even the monotheists, they don't know he's relational. They truly don't know he was a lover before he made anything. See, sovereignty, this is why sovereignty isn't the initial characteristic of God. Oh, because sovereignty God. is when he creates now He's over and above and transcendent. But before he ever created, created a thing, he had loving union with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he opened up that eternal circle of love. Oh, my gosh. 
and made one creature to come into that. The angels don't come into that. No one else comes in that. The incarnation, Jesus brings us into that. The second person of the Trinity brings us into that. But my point is, as I begin, intimacy begins not, I used to, when I would teach this or I would hear others teach it, it always began with what I should do. Mm, good, good, good. And when I started in my, in my 20s, I started with what I should do. And I got so tripped up on the rubrics of prayer, <laughs> the etiquette of prayer. I was so confused. I was so bad at it. I was like, what do I do? What do I do with my arms? What body position? What scriptures do I start with? How long do I do it? Do I do it by myself? Do I do it with others? Do I do it sitting? Do I do it standing? Do I do it pacing? Do I do? And the rubrics, I never knew if I was succeeding because the weakness of my flesh was so in front of me. And it wasn't, and I, and, and I would either get into performance uh-huh. or shame. Wow. But it wasn't until I began to discover who, because it's not a question of what I do. It's a question of who I'm talking to. Mm. It's who. Like long before you go out on a date, I want to know who I'm going out with, you know, and, and it's who. And so I, and the weird thing about humans is, We're the only creature made in his image. So that means my destiny is tied up in God's destiny. I only get to know who I am as I discover who he is. So that what he's like is what I'm made to be like. So I'm always bound up in him. So if I try to start with me, I'll never get there. Wow. I've got to start with him. So I always begin with 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. And so we, with unveiled face, behold him as in a mirror dimly and are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the oil that is produced, the practical, is set your gaze on the person of Jesus. Wow. Hebrews 1 says he's the final word spoken. <laughs> When, when the disciples were depressed and unbelief, despair, Jesus walks up behind them and does a Bible study on himself <laughs> through the Old Testament. And did their hearts not burn? Yes. It's that fellowship of the burning heart. It's, it's the oil. You know, if it happened today, somebody would come out and go, you know, hey, we saw a man who vanished in front of us. And we do the Vanishing Man conference. And, yeah. da, 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 and I have the Vanishing Man anointing. And no, gee, it's not that. It's did our hearts not burn? Yes. When he took us through the scriptures about himself. And I would say, whether you feel like you're doing, whether you feel like you're good at it or bad at it, begin with looking at Jesus mm-hmm. as he's revealed in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And nothing replaces long, loving attentiveness to his revelation, right? Yes. It's his revelation. Like, and get lost in it. Because I, I found that if I, if I, I won't become gracious unless I meditate on how gracious 
Jesus is. Yes. So whatever I meditate on him gets reproduced in me because I was never made to exist apart from him. Yes. I was only made to look at him and to reflect what I see and him impart that as I look upon him. So we've got to look upon him again. We, we've gone way too long without him. Like we're into unique teachings. I don't want a unique teacher. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you feel, Eric, but I, well, I do know how you feel because I've heard enough of what you say. So it's about Jesus and it's about communion with him. Yeah. Really encountering him around his word by the Holy Spirit and in the place of prayer. Yes. But his word is the launching pad mm -hmm. by which I talk to him the rest of the day. And I'm not looking for what produces oil for me is not a profound teaching. It's mm -hmm. almost always a phrase. Wow. He's the first and the last all day. That's the first and the last. Yeah. He's the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. He's the lover of my soul. He's gracious. He's compassionate. It's usually we read and something in the text, a phrase, the Holy Spirit, at least for my life, it becomes a phrase. And that phrase unlocks everything else. And that chapter and all the other ones that start as he takes you on that road to Emmaus and Let you know how Genesis relates to that passage and this relates and revelation. And, and now you're in it. Now you're in the oil. You know, now the wine press of your own heart is squeezing that oil of intimacy in the place of reading the word and the spirit meditating on it with the spirit's leadership. So I think that's all I would say is like, like yeah. and be, and and this is the beauty of it, a dim glimpse is enough. <laughs> it says looking in a mirror dimly. Like you, some people think you need a profound truth to, to set your heart on fire. No, it doesn't have to be profound. It's the fact that you engage in it. And that means of grace, it, it can be something that you don't think that highly of, or what I mean by that is you don't think it's everybody else already knows this, that it's, a dim glimpse. Yeah. And that makes me fall in love with him because if I can be transformed by a dim glimpse, <laughs> I'm in. Yes. If it's a hard glimpse, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, but anyway. Well, would you pray for us? Yeah. That are listening to these words that you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Father, Father, we just thank you. Yes. We thank you for what you're doing on the earth. We thank you for what you're doing at Asbury. We thank you for every, every drop, every morsel that you give your body. We thank you for it and ask that you would increase it until the whole church longs for the day of your appearing. Oh, I pray, Father, would you help us by the Holy Spirit, introduce us to your son again. Introduce us till we attend to him, till we're attentive, till we give him our affections that he deserves. So help us, Father. Lord, I ask you for Eric. I ask you for his community. I ask for the communities, this, every sincere believer, every sincere believer's home, ministry, church, 
Lord, that you would visit, that you would awaken love, that you would awaken deep affection for Jesus, a surrender from a heart, Lord, fascinated, fully given, in love with you. So help us, Father. Help us, and Lord, I pray for the weakest of us. Mm. Do it in us. Make us trophies of grace. For the weakest of us, Lord, the most distracted, but the hungry, the thirsty, help us and make your church ready, Father, for the day of his appearing and make us miss him. (laughs) Wound us, wound us with love, wound us, pierce us till we want him, till we love him, till we look like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Thank you for that. That was really rich. My heart is burning. I feel the tangibleness of the Lord here. Thank you so much.